You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome back. I'm Carl Mack and this is Combat Chronicles. Bit of news to start before we get into the analysis. Bit of boxing, bit of MMA today. Um, not going to cover the Muay Thai from one. Superlek is great, but get back to me when he's battering someone good. I mean, we could talk about how great Superlek is, but you know, it's nothing really interesting. He saved the card, it's great. He made weight, whatever. We know he's fantastic, we learned nothing new. Um, so not going to cover that. going to start with some news. Some news that I missed the other week. And some news that's come this past week. So, the news I missed the other week. K1 launches global expansion uh, as reported on uh, Beyond Kickboxing by Tim Wheaton. Top guy, follow him on Twitter if you haven't already. And K1 bought the, I think it was earlier on in the year, it was announced that K1 had essentially, or not even announced, but K1 had regained rights to their branding. For those that are unaware, there's been a somewhat, Shady makes it sound dodgy, but shadowy, shadowy uh, holding uh, company, which essentially owned the rights to the K1 name, and it was on lease to K1 Japan. There was talk at rumours some stage that Chatry himself, one head honcho, was going to try and buy those rights just to be a, a twat, I think. Um, but now K1 have got the rights back. K1 Global again. And uh, or just K1, and they've got some stuff in the pipeline, but unfortunately, can't just stick to doing what they're doing. Looks like they're going to be working with um, some sort of bare knuckle or street fighting organization. Looks like Sakuraba himself has been brought back to Shepherd, a new MMA organization. So, a return to K1 Heroes, I hope, but I don't really hope because I don't want K1 to stretch themselves thin. They've got a brand. They've got a fantastic way of doing things. They've got, you know, Crush and, and K1, and they run the Koshien for the for the amateurs. This is all great. Just work in your lane. You're brilliant at it. Work with more organisations. Get more fighters in. Hope that one championship get truly bored with kickboxing, as per Chatry's comments this week, which I'm going to touch on in a second. And then snatch those fighters as well because it looks like one are actually going to be doing what I want them to do which is move more and more into the the four ounce Muay Thai as they call it for those that you uh, didn't see it or hear uh, Chatri Sitchandong the, uh, the head honcho of one when asked this week why there's more Muay Thai bouts and kickboxing said look kickboxing's great but there are some fighters that's trying to shine their way to a division or you know whatever he said pit a pat their way to a division not going to quote him exactly he doesn't deserve it um, yeah right 
I'm happy about this, to be honest with you. It's fucking rude and annoying because, you know, it's some of the most amazing moments in one championship history have been in, in their kickboxing uh, divisions. And essentially, you know, I'm hoping he does get bored of it. Let him go. Let, give him a chance. They do. I've said this a million times before. Fold it into the kickbox, into the striking, the four-ounce striking. Say, is there anyone that wants to stay? If not, you can go. Let Glory K1, whoever, uh, WLF, sign those guys up. And if they want to stay kickboxing, they can stay kickboxing. Well, within their rights to do so. Just as the uh, Muay Thai guys who think, fuck it. Yes, I'm getting paid more to fight in one, but actually. I just keep ticking along, out clinching people in the stadiums and, and not get my brain just bashed in. They're, they're, they're within their rights to do so. Um, so, yeah, he's a fucking idiot. You just saw him one of the best kickboxers in the world. We spoke about this before in the episode the other week uh, about Muay Thai Grand Prix. Check that out if you haven't, because there's still some relevant points in there that uh, myself and Bubba made when we were talking about Takaru. Takaru joining one championship, but Chatri, he just doesn't know how to read the room. Comes across as one of these Musk types. You know, very rich, very sort of seems business smart on the way up. But the more and more you hear him speak, that sounds like a complete fucking idiot. Segwaying in boxing with another guy who's really fucking annoying now, but a guy who has earned it way more than someone like Chatry. Tyson Fury officially announced to fight Francis Ngannou in Riyadh, Saudi Arabia, October 28th. The Saudis have just basically you know, bought up, was it Qatar bought golf or was it the Saudis? Whatever. They bought up the heavyweight division pretty quickly. Usyk signed to this Saudi weird-backed uh, firm, which may or may not be uh, somewhat associated with the Kinahans. I'm not sure, but Fury obviously is. Um, so Usyk signed up. Well, his first fight is against Daniel Dubois, also officially announced and presser this week. Poor Dubois looks well out of his depth already. That's taking place in Poland in August, I believe. Then the idea is that Usyk is going to fight Filip Agovic, is IBF Mando on the undercard of AJ versus Deontay Wilder. That's right, the long-rumoured AJ Deontay Wilder. Another fight announced since I last did the podcast, AJ Dylan White 2, now at the O2 Arena in London. It's crazy to think that a couple of years ago, AJ would be back at the O2. Great venue, don't get me wrong, but this is a guy who could sell out Wembley in routine title defences, and is now his stock has fallen so much, he's back at the O2. Still, be plenty of people that want to see that fight, and I think it sold out pretty quick. Dylan White versus AJ, or will completely sell out imminently. So that's the heavyweight division on tap, all in Saudi Arabia. Essentially, Usyk's going to be there. He signed AJ Wilder has signed with those guys too, I believe. AJ's fighting them out there, and they've got Tyson Fury versus Francis Ngannou. So, what does this all mean? Well, you'd hope that. Well, you'd hope that. This doesn't actually lead to even more of a delay for the Usyk Fury fight. You want Usyk to dust off his mandatories, but you've got to think that they're going to say, after Wilder inevitably poleaxes Anthony Joshua, they're going to get Usyk in the ring and say, let's do that. We've got these guys both under contract. Let's do it in Saudi, etc., etc. Then what we really want is for Fury to fight the winner and then Wilder knock someone else out. What we really want is for Fury to batter in Ganu. Usyk to win his mandos. Usyk to fight Fury. Ngannou to fight Wilder on the undercard. That's always been the fight. Ngannou versus Wilder. The two big freaks. The punch hard. Uh, always pick Wilder by early rounds detonation. Because I'd pick him against that. against pretty much anyone. Um, not named Usyk. Fury. <laughs> Definitely. 
definitely, if their name is Anthony Joshua, we're picking Wilder to smash him. I think that's going to be a brutal massacre. I think I think Joshua's going to look particularly bad against Dylan White, who's awful on recent form. And I think Joshua's going to look quite bad in that. And I think Wilder's going to give him a really horrific uh, wake-up call. Uh, somewhat ironically by, by knocking him into the land of unconsciousness so yeah I think that's going to be the end of Joshua's career Joshua has a chance but I think it's very much a who lands first kind of situation and uh, yeah I think Wilders is faster weirder more awkward and he's going to bang him out I keep going off the track because these guys are so sort of ingrained of each other that's just really easy to bounce between them but Fury and Ganu is going to happen I think people will be excited for it I'm excited for it it's a freak show fight it's not competitive in my opinion you might have added some extra intrigue to it by making it a four ounce match or, I don't know, allowing kicks or some shit or boxing in a cage. I don't know. I'm glad it's a boxing match. And Ganny wants to make money from boxing. Let's not make it any more convoluted or uh, weirder than it needs to be. It's a boxing match between the guy who's one of the hardest punches in MMA history. It's the UFC heavyweight champion versus the boxing heavyweight champion. It's absolutely fine as a fight. It's um, sort of no worse than Pete Radamasher versus Floyd Patterson, I suppose. It's, you know, Francis Ngannou has got a decent combat sports career. He is a professional fighter who's got a lot of experience. Kind of not, although obviously they've got a lot more nous, the Muay Thai guys, but it's not really any different than the top Muay Thai guy turning over and fighting top level opposition almost immediately. You level out a little bit because these are heavyweights. The Muay Thai guys, they're obviously better and more skilled and more ready to jump straight into uh, boxing based on their skill set. But also fighting in more talent-rich divisions kind of levels up a bit. Francis and Ganu, nowhere near as good as those guys, nowhere near as skilled as those guys, but a big banger and he's fighting a heavyweight. Unfortunately for him, he is fighting one of the best heavyweights of all time. Best, I said, not greatest. Although he wouldn't be too far off if he were to fight Usyk. But Tyson Fury, we know... His powers of recovery. You know how durable he is. It's not like... Um, oh, let me think of a good example. Let me think of a somewhat good example. I guess Vladimir Klitschko. Stylistically, even more horrific. But at least with him, like he was somewhat shaky around the whiskers. Sam Peter bowled him over a couple of times. If it was prime Vlad versus prime Francis and Ghana, you'd go, oh, hold on a minute. Something could happen here. And Ghana is unorthodox and weird, and that could throw the very orthodox... Vladimir Klitschko out of whack. But what we've got with Tyson Fury is a guy who has shown his toughness, shown his powers of recovery, shown his diverse skill set. So he's been able to fight and gain on the inside, fight him on the outside, punch and pivot, keep Francis on the move, tire him out pretty quickly, I think. And most importantly, Fury, really, really good hand fighter, really good in the clinch. These are things that you assume an MMA fighter would have an advantage of coming over, but Fury is quite old school in that regard. So I don't think it's going to be very competitive. I don't think it's going to be particularly intriguing outside of the fact that it's a freak show fight. And when you get these two big lumps in there, stare each other down, knowing it's the UFC heavyweight champ, the lineal heavyweight champ, versus the the, uh, the best heavyweight boxer in the world, arguably, and the uh, lineal heavyweight ch- boxing champion, that's what makes this intriguing. It's a big freak show fight. Shame it's not happening in Tokyo instead of uh, Saudi Arabia, but maybe Saudi are going to surprise me. Maybe they'll be the home of the freak show fights going forward. Luckily for me, it's on at a great time. For the Americans, I think it'll be on at like you know, 2, 3 in the afternoon. Assuming they don't change anything because they're aiming for some big American market or something, I'm pretty certain that due to it being Saudi Arabia, 
and the UFC, um, when they're over in Fight Island and all that stuff, and the UAE, they go on at their prime time. So I don't think anything's going to change for that. Ruiz, uh, Andy Ruiz versus uh, Anthony Joshua 2, that was on a nice agreeable time for us Brits, especially us old Brits who haven't got it in them to stay awake any longer. So I'm thinking it's going to be great for all us fans, uh, unless you're in out in Asia, it'd be like wee hours in the morning, but that's just, you know, that's what we have to do and we got for the rising cards and that, you know what I mean? So it's all good. Um, yeah, Fury versus, I am aware by the way that Saudi Arabia is in Asia. I mean, the Far East. Um, Tyson Fury versus Francis Ngannou, big freak show fight, whatever. Just my only annoyance with it is unless they can get rid of Agovic for December and actually convince Fury to fight Usyk soon, it's going to hold it up even more. So unless there's an agreement that, yeah, we're not going to match Usyk with the Joshua Wilder winner if it's Wilder, because there's definitely no point of doing Usyk uh, AJ free, then I'm absolutely fine with this fight happening. If it does mean that Usyk's going to fight Dubois in September or August or whenever it was, Philip Agovic in December, both fighters I expect them to dust off relatively easy and be ready to fight Fury March, April, when he's still somewhat near his prime. Because I think Usyk's like, what, 38 this year, 39 next year. We're getting up there uh, in terms of age. I just checked. You think he's my favourite fighter of all time. I know how old he is, but Usyk's 37 in January. So he's a year older than me, essentially. So um, not that old in heavyweight parlance. Don't get me wrong. Fury's only a couple of years younger. He's like 34, current 35. Um, but... And he hasn't had that many hard fights too sick, but also for a guy who moves like he does and a guy that operates the way he does, you want him to be close to his peak. He's only one shoulder injury away or one you know, torn fucking MCL away from just being a completely different fighter. So let's get it done now. Fury, you've got your big money freak show fight. You ain't had a serious fight since the third Wilder fight, really, because White was hapless. So... Let's get it moving. Usyk gets rid of his mandos. Let's make it. If Usyk can fight Fury and win and then just fight Wilder, he's got nothing left to prove. He would have beaten every top heavyweight of the generation, essentially. What you can do, really, I think, is have Fury versus Usyk and have Wilder versus Ruiz on the undercard. A long, rumoured and gestating fight. Winners fight each other. All notable fighters. And uh, let's get on. This heavyweight, this, this heavyweight division, the annoying thing is, has so much fucking potential to be really good. The fights just ain't happening. There's some good fights happening, not enough. It's basically the opposite of what happened in uh, Usyk's cruiserweight division where we got every fight we wanted. But there's so much money with these boys, especially with Fury. He's very much in the mood that he just, he just wants the big money fight. So he's getting one against Ngannou. I wouldn't be surprised if he talks about retirement after it. Hey, let me know, as always, at CombatCR on Twitter, at Combat Chronicles Pod on Instagram and Fred's. Do you actually think there's going to be competitive? Do you think Fury's just going to make a mockery of Ngannou? There's talk that he's going to carry Ngannou. I don't think that's the case. I think Fury's going to make a statement. He's not going to want anyone to think that a champion in another sport would have a good go of him. I think he's going to let Ngannou give him his best shot and then going to go back and give him a good old fucking hiding. So, yeah, I don't think there's any idea that Fury's going to ponce about and you know jab him and just touch him up and maybe get a late accumulative stoppage. I think Fury's going to go for him. He's going to want to make a statement to show, don't come into my house and fuck around. So let me know what you think. There's actually some excellent boxing to talk about coming up next. 
Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. This is Paige, the co host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving Olive in June. Olive in June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This was your pro debut, the IBF International Title of the Line. How big is that for you to do your pro debut? Si, obviamente, tuviste tu debut como profesional, como boxeador profesional, y conseguiste ese título de IBF. ¿Cuánta emoción te da esto? ¿Qué tan contento estás? Lo más grande, estoy muy feliz. Este es mi primer paso acá en el boxeo profesional. Como todos saben, me enfrenté a un boxeador de mucha experiencia, de más de 35 peleas, así que no iba a ser un combate fácil. Él me, me aplicó toda su experiencia, pero yo eh, vine muy decidido, muy preparado a ganar. Apliqué todo mi talento, más mi preparación, y ahí salió el resultado. Yeah, you know, it's um, I'm absolutely delighted. It's the it's the very best that could happen to me. This was my first step in the pro game. Everybody knew that I was facing a really experienced boxer, a boxer that had more than you know, took 35 fights, so it wasn't going to be easy. So it was about using my experience and my good preparation and my talent, and that's what got me through tonight. People talent is about right, isn't it? Andy Cruz beating Juan Carlos Burgos by. Wow, shut out over 10 rounds. It's pro debut. I think he did fight just once in the World Series of Boxing. So not quite his pro debut, but not everyone sits where I sit on that. So some of them just some people just do not agree whatsoever that um those bouts should count as pro, but for me it's pro rules, you're getting paid, it's a pro fight. Um for those that are unaware, I spoke about Andy Cruz before when he turned pro in this podcast. The best amateur pound for pound of the last generation. There's no doubt. If you think of him as the new one or the next one along the line of the lineage of the great Cubans that turn pro. So if we do them in order, we're going with uh, sort of Gamboa, Rigondel, uh, 
Robicio Ramirez and now Andy Cruz. I think Andy Cruz is fantastic. We're going to talk about him in this fight in a moment. Uh, for those that run aware of his opponent, Juan Carlos Bogos, fought everyone over the years. He is a journeyman now. He is not a journeyman. That is not fair. He is a trial horse. He is a gatekeeper. Uh, never been stopped. Lost seven times. He's been a distance with the likes of Haney, uh, Keyshawn Davis just recently, Andy Cruz's amateur rival who he beat every single time. Great rival. Uh, Mikey Garcia at that point was one of the hardest punches in all of boxing or definitely one of the most precise uh, boxer punches around uh, back in the day when he first uh, jumped onto the scene uh, as a young lad back in 2010 against Zumi Asagawa in a really good fight. Um, Burgos kind of stand-up boxer-puncher type has become has regressed in terms of his technical skills as the year have gone on. Quite one route, one pace nowadays. But anyone's going to look one route and one pace against Andy Cruz. For me, there are no superlatives you could use that would be hyperbolic. He is already, after one fight, one of the most skilled fighters in all of boxing. What Andy Cruz does at range... His little, hops, his little uh, hop steps in and out. His ability to... He'll lance with the right hand, use that to follow through in the southpaw and shift into that uh, for raids. He's a great jabber. Uh, great at changing tempo, misdirections. Also, fantastic on the inside. Brilliant defensive fighter. So good, and we saw that in this fight. His ability to change it up between offense and defense immediately. Seamless. Um... Very reminiscent of Floyd Mayweather. And what's interesting is Floyd Mayweather really did influence the matter of boxing for a whole generation. It's a fact I've spoken about before, just as Ali did in his day um, with the likes of Tyrell Biggs. All the way from the heavyweights to the weird bantamweights like Phantom Chitsukatai of Thailand, Muhammad Ali influenced a whole generation. And Floyd Mayweather did that as well. We've seen, we see echoes of his style in a lot of fighters and we see outright plagiarists as well people aping the shoulder roll people trying to do the pull counter that sort of thing that's how influential Floyd Mayweather is and I'm just not sure if it's by pure chance that Andy Cruz has those as the requisite uh, attributes to pull off that style or whether he's also seen Floyd because as we know he's from Cuba the fights and the footage wouldn't have been as readily available I don't think it's not North Korea by any means, but I do think that Andy is more of a product of his uh, his coaches, his tutelage, his natural skills. It just so happens that he looks a bit like the Floyd. Um, certainly on the inside, his ability to slip shots, fire back with the uppercut with the right hand in short distance, pivot out, reset, centre ring, very Floyd-esque. So Andy Cruz looked absolutely flawless. There were some things he did in this fight that just completely wowed me. Of course... No fighter is born perfect. As I said before, great punches don't always have the best chins. It isn't just, oh, they rely on their power and they walk in the shots. You can't be perfect. It's very rare you're perfect. Even Sugar Ray Robinson, there's a guy who traded on his chin too much, was not the greatest defensive fighter. Sugar Ray Leonard, he had injury problems. He had eye problems, etc. I don't believe in God. I don't believe in fate. But if I did want to encapsulate it in a very, uh, you know, sort of piffy statement, you know, God will give and he will take. And you don't get to have everything that Andy Cruz has and also have a bit of a dig. And the problem is, you know, Floyd Mayweather, bad hands. Bad hands. That's the problem with Floyd. 
bad hands and a bit too shrewd and smart for his own good in terms of legacy building. You know, we would love to see him take fights earlier. He was too smart a businessman for me as a prize fighter. That's great, uh, but also a bit of a, uh, a problem as well because, you know, you want to see the best fights happen. That's Floyd's problems. But if we talk about just in-the-ring stuff, it's bad hands. Andy Cruz, he can't punch for shit. He really can't punch for shit. He couldn't knock the skin off a rice pudding. He couldn't punch through paper. He couldn't crack an egg. Whatever statement you want to use, whatever phrase you want to use, that describes Andy Cruz. He's sitting down a bit more on his punches now and he isn't doing anything. Um, Burgos is really durable, don't get me wrong, but he didn't really seem to get his respect. Too often there was a moment where Burgos sort of went back to ropes, looked a bit disorganised. Cruz jumped all over him, but it's just not really got anything to him. The idea that... Um, Ennis is going to train him, as he's working with now, uh, Boots Ennis's dad, is going to make him more of a professional fighter. I completely agree with that. But it doesn't matter. You could put Andy Cruz in one of those punch machines and some nipper off the estate would probably beat his score. He just hasn't got much power. He knocked me out, of course. He's a world-class boxer. I'm not. The only times I've got to stress that. I'm not dissing him in a kind of couch potato kind of way. I'm just assessing the fighter as I see him. He is a genius in the ring. But that power, when he needs it, there's going to be times where he needs it. It's going to be times where he wants to get someone off of him. If you think about someone like Miguel Cotto versus Antonio Margarito, yeah? Cotto is not the defensive stylist Andy Cruz is, of course, but he had a lot to his game. He was a good all-rounder, lots of good defensive slips, knew how to keep himself out of trouble, had a real solid dig to head and body, could not hold Antonio Margarito off of him. You need a bit of a dig, and he had a good dig, and he couldn't stop him. So you're trying to tell me at some point, someone isn't going to just not respect Andy Cruz and try and walk through him. Easier said than done, obviously, but over a 12-round fight, at the top level, at the weight classes he's fighting at, he's going to come across someone he's going to need to put the world to rights, and I don't think he's going to be able to. It might well be that he becomes the first fighter to win a world title without stopping someone, because I think they're going to try and manoeuvre him into a title shot, very, very soon. If Devin Haney does move up to one four, uh, 140 pounds to fight uh, Teofimo Lopez, all those bouts could become vacant and Cruz could find himself fighting for one. He's just got some IBF trinket in his debut that is utterly meaningless. But easy to see him fighting for a title sooner rather than later. I think they're going to try and beat the record. You know, uh, the record is at three fights, which is uh, Lomachenko when he won the world title. He went for it in two, lost to Salido, won it in his third fight against Gary Russell Jr. And Sansak Mansour and he won the WBC back in the 70s. That's the record. I think they're going to try and beat it for Andy Cruz. I think he's fantastic. I really do. I'd love to see him in the mix at lightweight. Maybe if he can make 130 or even 126, he might get a bit more out of his power. But I don't really see it. I mean, if you look at Rigon, though, he was lambasted by so many. He's boring. Bob Arum famously hated working with him. He had dig to him. He's a real sharp puncher and he hit people and they didn't want to come at him. That's why he was in boring fights. He made people shell up early. Floyd was like this as well. So, for example, the most obvious example going is Manny Pacquiao twatted him with a right hand down the pipe early and gave him some breathing room because Pacquiao was like, oh, I didn't really like the feel of that. Sharp, authoritative punches by those guys I just mentioned. It's not some Tommy Earn situation where he's not much of a puncher in the amateurs and suddenly Manny Stewart harnesses him as a pro, gets him turning his shots over properly, fills out his long physique and suddenly he's banging people out. Andy Cruz will not stop someone unless it's due to sort of uh, no Mashchenko, as they called it a couple of years back. And Lomachenko, it's relatively hard as well. He gets people's respect. as another good example of one. Unless Andy Cruz kind of embarrasses people to get him pulled out because they're not doing anything, 
I don't think he's going to score many stoppages. And that's just, you know, it's a blessing and a curse. You're a genius. You're the best fighter around. Your footwork's impeccable. Your defence is ludicrous in the pocket. Um, your ability to respond to different types of styles and situations is basically peerless, but you can't punch. Unfair criticism? Maybe. Was it unfair criticism that Jack Della Maddalena just got this weekend after his fight? Yes, we're pivoting over to the UFC. UFC on ESPN, Holly Holm versus uh, Myra Bueno Silva. I'm not talking about that, I couldn't care less. We're not talking about much of the card. Some of it was fun, some of it wasn't. Jack Della Maddalena, though, a fighter who is, you know, by any sane metric, a top 10 welterweight against Basil Hafez. Haven't done any tape study on, on Mr. Hafez. Sorry about that. But I really hope he gets another shot. Very, very fun fire. Let's talk about the fight now. My the main analysis of last week's pay-per-view is over on the Patreon, www.patreon.com slash Combat Chronicles. Um, didn't speak about Jack Delamay on that one, really, because he was supposed to fight on the card. Sean Brady got injured and a late-notice replacement at an MRI, which turned out some pretty scary results. So hope that guy's doing all right. It would have been particularly bad if he had to fight uh, JDM, who's a very big puncher, and he showed that in this fight. Uh, Basil Hafez comes in on late notice. Jack Della Maddalena still wants to fight in the US, gets a quick turnaround. Two weight cuts in a week, that's not good. Late notice uh, opponent, that's never good. The fight I always use as an example, TJ Dillashaw versus Joe Soto. Title change, uh, title opponent change in... I think it was within 24 hours or something. If you watch TJ Dillashaw in that fight, you will not think he's the same TJ Dillashaw that fought Hen and Brow, uh, Cody Garbrandt, etc. Because late notice opponent changes can completely throw you out of whack, as can two weight cuts in a week. So not too uh, bothered about JDM's general performance. Let's look at some of the points that people online are freaking out about, namely the fact that he's taken the distance for the first time and shows some really... Well, I'm seeing a lot of poor takedown defence calls. But actually, I think it's poor cage IQ. Hafez looks strong, muscly, juicy. Not juicy like that. Libelous. I mean, he looked strong and swole. Um, shoot for takedown straight away while JDM was still uh, cold, getting it. For me, the, the main reason that Hafez had success in this fight is... Two things. A, he was scrambly and JDM kept putting himself in bad positions, jumping guillotines and what have you. Or, you know, there was one point where it looked like he was going to go for a dars and then change to the guillotine. Each time, Hafez very smartly used it to uh, transition to side control when he was a scrambly fella. Secondly, he was able to punch with Jack Della Maddalena. That shows his quality, in my opinion, because Jack Della Maddalena is one of the best punchers in all MMA right now, one of the best pressure fighters in all of MMA. He's got a bit of Nick Diaz about him, but seems a more authoritative puncher. Mix up the head and body really well. Probably the best body puncher in all of mixed martial arts right now, in my opinion. And Hafez, on late notice, it's late notice for him as well, don't forget, was able to punch with him. That's really important. So when Madeleine is tra uh, transitioning the body shots, level changing, if you're able to hit him up top with counter punches, people are wilting uh, under this assault. And Hafez was able to stay with him, and that's what made it competitive. But JDM obviously landed the more quality shots. What I didn't see was this poor takedown defence. There was some moments where he was taken down. Also saw moments where he showed ability to limp leg out of single legs, ability to get underhooks quite quickly, uh, ability to uh, hip out when on the ground and get back to his feet, uh, giving up his back as you're supposed to, and then getting his back uh, 
getting back to the centre cage. All good things. Showed him uh, defending a takedown with a front headlock and kneeing Hafez. Um, just showed a, a wide variety of, uh, of ways to defend takedowns. So this idea that now he's just going to get easily outgrappled. Sure, someone like comes at Chimaev might easily just ground him and smash him in seconds. He would do that pretty much anyone. I think the idea now that the Sean Brady fight is a wash is, is not one I can agree with. Also as well... This is probably the best thing that could have happened to Jack Della Maddalena. He's now got more tape of his recent fights that he can go back uh, and draw on, see what was going right, see what was going wrong. And basically, he's now got a, a variety of different instances on tape of him doing really bad and stupid things that he can as easily cut out. Um, or, working with someone like Craig Jones, who was in that camp, he can now show him, right, when you're jumping from the guillotine, this is what you're doing wrong. This is what you could have done right. You need to get your body here, etc. Um, I hope they just cut that part of his game out. Don't really like the old Dustin Poirier jumping for guillotines, but if you're going to use it to transition this way or the other, whatever. It didn't seem that it was much of a plan. I think Jack Della Maddalena was very much of the opinion of, I stop people really quickly. This guy's late notice. I'm going to stop him really quickly. And just kept over-egging it. Kept going for something that wasn't there. That's good in the long run. Hopefully he can show that he can learn from that and iron that out in his game. If he doesn't, then that's more data for us to draw from, of which dismiss him as a viable prospect in the, the weight division going forward. However, he is definitely really, really fun to watch. And he definitely won the fight. Didn't get the split decision. But um, fun fight. Hope the opponent gets another shot. Jack Della Madalena, let's get him back for that. Aussie card in a couple of months, give him time to rest, maybe make that Brady fight. Um, if not, there are others around that I'd gladly see him fight. Uh, Vicente Luque springs to mind. I'd love to see that fight. He's got time. Let him get that one and get Brady at the beginning of 2024 or even towards the end of 2023. He's young, he's spunky, he's up for it. So, yeah, I'm not out on JDM as others seem to be. Not just because I'm a fan of his, but to see things that are easily fixable or tweakable or... Maybe they are a problem down the line. I'm just not going to write them off after that. We've just got too much sort of historical data of people underperforming against late notice um, replacements. So, and it was fun. So who cares? What's coming up on the podcast? Well, next couple of weeks, there is a big UFC pay-per-view coming up. There is uh, Bellator coming up. Bellator versus Rising coming up as well. But really, the bulk of the research and work on the podcast is going to be for the two huge boxing matches coming up. Indeed, now UNUA versus Stephen Fulton and Errol Spence versus Terence Bud Crawford. Got some great stuff coming to this feed. Got some great stuff coming to the Patreon feed. So if you want to stay up to date, give us a like, give it a five-star review and a rating. That's a free way to support the podcast that makes it more visible to others. Please retweet on your social media platform of choice. And, of course, head on over to www.patreon.com slash combatchronicles to better support the podcast and to get access to all that juicy, uh, do me juicy this time, bonus material. So until next time, till we meet again, wherever that is, on Twitter, threads, Instagram, or over on Patreon, peace out. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. 
Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.